that's the image. I want seared in your mind. It's the face of generosity. Open eyes, open hands, seed thrown to the Heavenly Father, allowing God to do what God wants to do. We've been in this series called Living Generously, and that's just been a conversation starter. But for us to look deep within our own lives, in our own hearts, to, to know what does God want to do with us, and how does God want to use generosity in our lives to bless the work of his kingdom and what he's doing in this world. How many of you today in this season of Thanksgiving would say that you are blessed? How many of you honestly would say you are exceedingly blessed, abundantly blessed? What if I were here to tell you today that, that some of you have come here and feel like that that's not you, that somehow you got dealt the, the wrong cards, that somehow your life has been somehow cursed, and that, that, that just bad things keep coming into your life because that must be what God wants. But I want to tell you today that God's desire is not only to bless you, but to bless you abundantly. And not just to bless you abundantly, but to bless you for a reason. And that's really the, the hope of this series is for us to understand what is God's plan for our lives. I want to look at a, a, a Bible story. Now, if you're not into the scriptures or don't know the Bible very well, this is the book of God's pursuit of us. God's pursuit of us so that we could have a relationship with him and so that we could partnership with him in what he's doing in this world. And I believe that today you, you will learn something that if you apply this, it, would, it could transform your life. This is not some gimmick. This is not some um, scheme. It really is a biblical principle. So contrary to things we hear from the world, but I just know that when we live this way, God begins to, to do something in our hearts that's unimaginable, that's so beautiful, that we just, we have to step back and say, I'm abundantly blessed. People ask me today when they came in and says, how are you doing? And I had to say, I'm, I'm just exceedingly blessed. I really am. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit more about that and why I feel that way. But I want, I want you to feel that way. And honestly, you should feel that way. And the scripture we're going to look at from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us Really, I think the secret's to unlocking God's abundant provision in our lives. So before we read that, would you open your heart to him in prayer? Father, we come before you thanking you for your word. Would you teach us, instruct us, guide us, Father? But most of all, would you prompt us to live in a way that we can, can receive the blessing of the good, good Father and do your good work in this world? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from the book, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul's writing to a church He's encouraging them to imitate the generosity of another group of believers called the Macedonians. And he tells them these words. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, get this, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I think one of the great truths of Scripture is that God is able. Uh, he, he is able to, to do immeasurably beyond all we ask or imagine. The Bible says he's able to save completely those who come to him. The Bible says he's able to keep you from stumbling. But in, in everything that God is able to do, there's a condition on our side. Because God can save us completely if we come to him, and God can keep us from stumbling if we listen to the the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives, and God's, God can do immeasurably beyond all we ask or imagine if we are asking and imagining something. And it says here that God is able to bless you abundantly. 
So if you're not receiving the abundant blessing, I have to, have to conclude that it's not a lack of desire or ability on God's part. There's something on our end of this in which we're not experiencing it. Now, I look back on my life, and uh, Julie and I talked about this this week. We seriously are abundantly blessed. And when I say abundantly blessed, let me just clarify, um, sometimes financial may be part of it, but it's, it's well beyond that. Um, financial, emotional, physical, relational, uh, just, just in every area, we feel so abundantly blessed. We're not the richest people. We're not the um, most talented people. Um, we, don't, we don't have the most stuff. And, but from our perspective, we are exceedingly abundantly blessed. Both of us grew up in homes that, by modern-day terms, would probably be considered lower income. Um, my, my wife grew up with a family of four, with a single mom, uh, kind of a dysfunctional home. I grew up in a house with... Um, six kids, mom and dad. I was in third grade when my parents bought their first house, which means my dad was about 47, 48 years old. Most of us in this room, a lot of us in this room, owned houses way, well before that. The house they bought, three-bedroom house, with the, with, and I've shared this before, the bathroom, you touch the walls of the bathroom. That was it. Eight people. Kind of, kind of cozy. Three bedrooms, eight people. Okay? But you know what? I never, I never thought I was poor. Got a lot of hand-me-downs from my, from my uh, cousin Paul. And I just learned from growing up that if I wanted to have a baseball glove, I needed to save up my allowance to get it. I learned that if I wanted to have a car, I better get a job to save up my money to buy it. If I wanted to insure myself to drive, I had to pay my insurance. When I went off to college, I needed to work part-time jobs on the side on top of a full-time school load in order to pay for my education. I understood that's just what I had to do to live. When I went to graduate school, and I'm not complaining at all, but I lived my first semester with the roommate in a one-bedroom apartment, and the only furniture we had, we went down to Goodwill and bought a dining room chair and, and or dining room table and two chairs, and the school loaned us two mattresses that we threw on the floor of the bedroom. And that was where we, that's where we lived. That's how we lived that first semester. That was okay. I wasn't married. I could put up with a lot of stuff. And then the next semester, after my friend got married, I moved in with three other guys in a one-bedroom apartment. Two bunk beds, a lot, of, a lot of dirt and stuff with those guys. <laughs> but you know what? It was cheap. I look back and, and remember very few times, maybe once a month, that I went out to eat fast food. I, I had to live on about $100 a month for, for food. But you know what? I, I was going to make it through, and I was going to get through. And then I went down to Arizona and got a job with a high-paying salary of $8,000 a year to be the children's pastor at a church. And I met this beautiful single gal. I had a cute little daughter, and we fell in love, decided to get married. And the blessing was the next year I got a, I got a 12.5% raise. I got $9,000 the second year. <laughs> but the bad news was she had to quit working because of morning sickness and the pregnancy. And so all of a sudden, we're living with two kids in a little, little home, 990-square-foot home, trying to raise our, our family. And, and people gave us bags of clothes. They invite us over for dinner. There was a family in the church that had a cabin up in Payson, up in the mountains, and we were able to use that on occasion. And you know what? We, we just felt very blessed, and it's never stopped. God just continued to bless us in so many ways. I mean, this year, this has been one of the hardest years, actually, in our lives, and yet it's been one of the most blessed years. We, we welcomed a new daughter into our family. We welcomed a new little grandson. I think I may have mentioned him a time or two, but a little, little boy who's become part of our family. And, you know, we stand back, and, and we just, we're just abundantly blessed. And some people would say, like, well, you're just lucky. 
We're not lucky. Luck is dependent on chance. Blessing is intentional. Blessing comes from a person named God the Father who gives his favor to our lives. I just want to tell you, God wants to bless every single one of his children, and he wants to bless them abundantly, and he wants to bless them for a purpose. So my question is, if you're not being blessed abundantly, it's your problem, and you can fix it by doing what the scripture says. Because here's, here's what this passage says that I just read. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is the first thing we've got to do. Live by the harvest principle. You reap what you sow. It's just a divine principle. It's how things work in God's world. Ask Charlie Sheen. Now, I'm not criticizing Charlie Sheen. I'm just pointing out the fact. If you live a promiscuous lifestyle, there's consequences for that. You reap consequences. Our culture tries to seduce us into thinking that we can live any way we want, say anything we want, post anything we want, watch anything we want, spend any way we want, do everything the way we want to do, and there are no consequences. But I'm telling you that is a lie, that every one of those things is a seed that's being planted. And you live a life where you're um, shading the truth and, and lying here and there, you're going to weave a web that one day is going to snag you. you. You pour junk food into your body on a regular basis and it's burgers and it's soda, your body is going to rebel at some point. There's going to be something going wrong with your body. If you're a lifetime smoker, there's a consequence for that. You just know you reap what you sow. If you're a person who's negative and rude and you, you wonder why you don't have many friends, it's because there's, there's a consequence for the way we're living. You reap what you sow. We have a, a relative who constantly has a string of bad luck. And he doesn't know why God is doing this to him. Sometimes he's doing real well, and other times he, he crashes and, and bad things happen. And he's ended up in prison a few times, and he wonders why this keeps happening to him as if somehow he's just a victim of it. But I'm telling you, if you investigate his life and look at the selfishness and the deceitfulness in his life, he's reaping what he's sowing. Paul said that so clearly in the book of Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You reap what you sow. And you reap more than you sow. You know that when you plant a seed of corn, you don't reap a kernel of corn? You, you get a stalk with ears of corn, with hundreds of kernels on each ear. That anytime you plant a seed, what is harvested is multiple times what's been planted. And so when you plant seeds of words and seeds of generosity and seeds of, of, of time investment and, and all those things, when you're planting seeds in your life, we need to stand back and realize the potential of that. See, I think one of the things our culture's taught us to do is squander the seed. And you actually... You actually have to be like the farmer to intentionally plant seed. What I mean by that is it is so easy to, to pull out your phone or your pad or your computer and, and waste hours surfing, playing games, watching Netflix, movie after movie after movie, football game after football game. Now, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of entertainment, but I'm just asking you, is that, is that how you want to plant your seed? Because you're never going to get that seed back. It's gone. When you have money and you decide to spend it over here, spend it there, guy after first service says, we bought a car here a year ago, 
It's a nice sporty car. I'm kicking myself now. Why did I get that? Paying over $500 a month for a car payment, and I feel trapped. Everything is an investment. Think of this. This is what's really challenging me this week. If from God's perspective, God says, Darren, I've given you um, bags full of seeds of time, sacks full of seeds of money. I've given you these, these, these containers that are full of seeds of opportunities. I'm giving you all these. And what I want you to do is see what the potential is in each one of those. The potential in every word that you speak. Because if you stand back and do it intentionally and do it well and water it and take care of it, watch what it does. I'll give you an example. You tell a little boy or girl as they're growing up that they were created beautifully, wonderfully by God. You plant a seed. When they, when they struggle and fail and, and you say, you know, that's okay. I love you. There's grace for you. You plant a seed. You make a lifetime of planting good seed with your kids. One day that boy or girl is going to grow up and be this incredible human being because you're going to see the fruit of what you've planted. You make investments. It might be this investment of I'm, I'm supporting a child overseas every month through Compassion International. I'm planting that seed, planting that seed. So routine, it's so steady. But over the course of time, you see a life that's been blessed and changed because of that investment. And so I really want to encourage you to stand back. Year, a few years ago, actually it was a long time ago, 30 years ago, I heard a story. Howard Hendricks, who was a professor at a seminary in Texas, was counseling a pastor-to-be who was struggling with pornography. And as they sat across his desk, Howard Hendricks just asked him this question. How in the world did you think looking at those pictures would make you a man of God? And I've never forgotten that statement. Not just with pornography, but as a filter for everything in life. I mean, for me to ask myself, Darren, how is doing this all night making you a better man of God? How, how is spending the last few hours you did on the internet going after story after story after goofy video and goofy video, how is that helping you become the man that God wants you to be? And honestly, it's pretty convicting. For me to look at all the seeds that I've wasted. Am I saying that you can never go on the line, you can never watch a football game, you can never do this or that? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, what if we looked at the potential and everything that God has given us and said, you know what, I want to capture that. I want to make the most of every opportunity. I want to make the most of every dollar God's giving me. I want to make the most of every conversation I have, every note I write, every blog post, every Facebook post I write. I want to make the most of it because if I sow generously, you know what's going to happen? You will reap generously. That's the harvest principle. Then he talks about our attitude. Bring a great attitude. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's not just... It's just, not, it's just not what you give, it's how you give. God wants us to have a willing heart. It's so easy for us to be manipulated and pressured. Sometimes I don't like the fact that we even, even pass in plates because people feel like, oh, i got to put something in or people are watching. Believe me, you don't, you don't have to feel any pressure at all. You don't have to give. It's not, it's, that's, we don't want you to feel pressured to give. I've had salesmen. Salesmen recently came to our door and just wanted to do a demo because I told him I wasn't interested. He said, let me, can I just do the demonstration to train this gal here who's trying to learn? And when he got done with his demo, guess what? He tried to sell me his product. And, and I said, uh, no, thank you. And he says, you know, I sold four of these to a pastor yesterday who just wanted to help people out. <laughs> and pastor, I sure hope you would like to help someone who's just trying to make ends meet. 
guilt, guilt, guilt. And I said, you know, my wife's out of town. She buys all the cleaners in our house. I really cannot make that decision for her. (laughs) God wants us to do it because we want to do it, because we're willing to do it, because he's prompting something in us to do it. And that prompting comes from the Holy Spirit. A couple weeks ago, a lady at our pal's lunch, that's our senior saint's, um, she was sharing a story that she went to one of these side uh, road markets where people have their stands set up and, you know, honey and tamales and melons and all that kind of stuff. And there was a lady with some crocheted blankets and she stopped to see them and she just wanted to make small talk and tell her how she liked those blankets. They're beautiful, but she had no intention of buying any of them. And then as she wandered back to her car, she, she sat in her vehicle and immediately she said, the Holy Spirit said, go buy those blankets. And she says, I don't need a blanket. I don't want a blanket. I don't even know how much those cost. Probably a lot. But Lord, I'll do it if you say. So she got out of her car, walked back to that lady, and said, "Uh, how much much are your blankets? And she said, well, I'm selling for $150 each. She had put $300 in her purse earlier that day. And she said, "Um, I want to buy both of them. And the lady started crying, just weeping. And she said, you have no idea how much of a blessing you've just been. Um, My husband and I are struggling. He's in the military. We've had some bad things happen. We're having to sell things to pay bills. And this is such an incredible answer to prayer. And she took these blankets, and there's a picture here. She didn't need a blanket. In fact, she gave that as a a gift at the pal's lunch because it wasn't for her. But here's the beautiful thing. She did it because she wanted to. Did she originally want to? No, but she wanted to please God. She wanted to do what what her heavenly father was prompting her to do. Our gifts must be willing. In the Old Testament, there's a story of Jacob. God gives him this image of this ladder, this stairway to heaven. That's where the song comes from. There's a stairway to heaven. Angels are ascending and descending on it. And in this dream, God affirms to him the covenant he had made with his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham how God would bring a blessing to all of the nations on the earth and that blessing would come through him and his offspring. And after he had this dream, it says, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. When Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and the stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you've given me, I will give you a tenth. What's so significant about this is this is is one of the earliest examples of someone tithing, giving God the 10%, but this was before God ever even asked anybody to do that. So why did he do it? This was hundreds of years before the law of Moses came because he wanted to. It was his will to honor God in this way. And if you look back, there's another story of Abraham very similar to this, where Abraham did the same thing. That's why I think God tells us to test him. Put me first. Bring the tithe, but bring it willingly. And and will I not, he says in Malachi, open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you could not contain it? You sow generously, you reap generously. But it has to be from the willing heart. The other thing he says, well, it's got to be cheerful. When you give willingly and cheerfully, it's so beautiful. Nobody wants to give a, get a gift from a grumpy person, do you? Here, Mom and Dad, I, I was supposed to get you something for Christmas. I really didn't want to, but here you go. <laughs> Honey, remember that 
that, that necklace you wanted from that jewelry store? Oh, yes, babe, yes, I remember that. Well, we can't afford it. But the guy down the street told me he got one for his wife, so here's yours. You know, she's going to throw it back in his face because it's the cheerfulness. And I learned this from kids. My little grandson, Aiden, will come up with a rock. And he'll come up to me and go, Baba, Baba. And with this smile on his face, he's lifting up this rock. What am I supposed to do as his grandpa? Take it. And in my receiving his little gift, there's this connection of joy, so much that he wants to go get another rock and bring it back. <laughs> you are God's child. When you, when you present your offering to him, which, by the way, this word cheerful in the Greek is, is the word from which we get hilarious. It really is. Giving should be joyful. Are we saying, Daddy, Daddy, here's what I want to bring you today. And God smiles at his children and receives the gift. I hope when you give to God, there's that joy because that's what makes the gift so beautiful. It's the willingness and the cheerfulness in the giver. So there's one other thing in this passage that's so critical in unlocking the secret to the abundant life, and it's being blessed so that we can be a blessing. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. God has set up his economy that way that we're blessed to be a blessing. And you and I have a choice to be a pond or a pipeline. What's the difference? You ever been, seen a pond? Water gets stagnant. Scum starts to develop on the surface of it. Pipeline allows things to pass through continually. And we're either a pond, receiving the blessings of God and holding it to ourselves, or we become the pipeline in which God says, I'm just going to keep... Giving you, and I'm giving through you. I'm giving to you so you can be a blessing to others. We choose whether we're the pond or the pipeline. Now, I know someone in this church who lives a life of such generosity that she just amazes me. And uh, I've been talking to her lately and thought it'd be great to share with you her story. So would you welcome to the stage Kanani Lau. Well, Kanani is uh, involved in so much of the church, um, gives so generously of her time that I want you to share where you're involved in the church right now. All right, let's go ahead and start with our adult ministries. I am honored and blessed to serve as a co-leader on our funeral ministry that we have here at church, as well as on Thursday mornings, I get to love on mothers of preschoolers through our MOPS program. Um, I also serve in our student ministry as a ninth grade um, small group leader for a wonderful group of young ladies. Um, during the week on Wednesday nights, I also facilitate a small group of fifth through eighth graders that are just wanting to know God's word more. And um, on Sunday mornings is where I really get my joy. At 9.30, I'm usually across the hallway there. And um, I lead large group for the second through fourth graders, as well as a small group during that time. And then I get to do praise and worship, or what we call our power-up team. And we do power-up um, for three-year-olds all the way till fourth grade. And I'm blessed to have a co-leader, Carla Bork, who helps me out with that. We have eight junior leaders and about 30 kids that just love singing to God. And her and her husband just started hosting a small group in their house. So I would say that they're kind of busy. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the cool thing. 
You will never meet a person that's more bubbly in her worship and, and joyful in her Christian walk than this woman. She's giving, 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 and she's not being drained by it. So I, wanna, I just want to find out what in the world happened to you that made your heart like that. Um, well, I discovered that generosity is not about giving of money or of time. It's actually about our relationship that we have with Jesus and the conditions of our heart or what we have hidden in our heart. And I'll be honest with you, when I came to this church in 2005, I had no relationship with God. Um, I actually thought that all I needed to do was believe that he made the earth and everything in it. And I also um, had been through a lot of trauma in my early, early life, um, from sexual abuse to physical abuse and mental abuse, which then led me to seek drugs and multiple um, recreational drug abuse. From that, I ended up in an abusive relationship. And by the time I was 16, I was pregnant with my first child and had tried to attempt suicide twice. Um, in 2005, my husband got deployed to Iraq. So on top of all of that, I was feeling abandoned, lonely, and depressed. And I had nowhere to go. And one day I just came on into this church and realized that I had a very, very broken spirit. And so the first three years here at Pikes Peak Christian, I actually joined a Bible study and signed up as a helper in children's ministry. And I actually hid up in children's ministry away from most of the adults because that's how scared I was to even talk to another adult. And through that ministry, God was able to open up my eyes to all of the things that I had in my heart that was so broken. He was able to take it out. And I now understand the psalm that says, create in me a, a new heart. Because that's essentially what I had to do. I had to give all of those things over to him and allow him to put his love and his joy and his peace and his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, self-control all into my heart. And so um, it's been a long journey, but it's well worth the journey. Um, mm -hmm. It's been about 10 years. And um, I can tell you that I serve not out of guilt, not out of any of that. In fact, a lot of times I don't even know I'm serving because I just have this willing heart that wants to show others God's love. And it's through that willingness that he's able to just flow through me and right. show everyone his love. So really it's just an overflow, and it's actually overflowing into your family because... You told me that um, when you first started coming here and you started tithing, that it bothered your husband a little bit because he wasn't into God as much. He wasn't coming to church as often. And how has God changed your whole family situation now? Um, my husband believed in God. Um, he did not have a relationship with God. But through God's love for me, I was able to show his love to my husband and my husband at first, when I came to him and said that I felt God wanting us to tithe, he was against it. He didn't want our lifestyle to change. And he did say, go ahead and do it, but I don't want to see a change in our lifestyle. And so I started taking out, eating out, and all of these small things, and I was able to tithe. And within the first three months, let me step back a little. We had just um, gotten custody of a niece and a nephew, 
Um, we lived in a mobile home that was only a thousand square feet and we started tithing and within three months my husband got a promotion we were able to purchase a home and six months after that he got another promotion and it seemed like every time we gave to God it he gave more to us and every time I would see a blessing I would make sure that my husband would know that it came from God and in 2012 he actually went on a mission trip with the church and he um, got convicted in his heart that we needed to be tithing. And so it's been wonderful how God has drawn us closer together, um, spiritually, financially, and just everywhere in our life. That's so incredible to see the testimony. Her husband now leads our hands and feet ministry, which goes and helps people in need. Um, he's volunteering all kinds of time to the church, and it's almost like they're trying to outdo each other in their generosity because God has filled them so much. So thank you, Kanani. Thank you for coming and sharing God's blessing with us. I just wanted to say one last thing. Um, God did a lot, and I did a lot, but a lot of what came, what you see here today is out of the ministries that I volunteered and the relationships that I've made here at church. So I encourage each and every one of you to plug in somewhere. You think you're helping God out, and along down the road, you'll find out that God has blessed you in such a way that you cannot describe. So I encourage you to get connected to one another and, and just allow God to move through you. Thank you. Thank you, Kanani. You know, I really think that is the key is what God does in our hearts. And you can change like that to become a generous person. And I know that's true because of what happened in October of 2003. The Baltimore-Washington airport was jam-packed with travelers for the holiday season. And in that airport were a number of soldiers coming back from a tour of duty in Iraq for two weeks of time with their families. And the plane was overbooked, and so... One of the attendants asked if there would be volunteers to give up seats, and, and, and nobody wanted to budge. Just a couple people got up to do that. And so then a lady picked up the PA system and said this, Folks, as you can see, there are a lot of soldiers in the waiting area. They only have 14 days of leave, and we're trying to get them where they need to go without spending any more time in an airport than they have to. We sold them all tickets, knowing we would oversell this flight. If we can, we want to get them all on this flight. We want to give these, so we want, excuse me, we want these soldiers to know that we respect what they're doing, that we are here for them, and that we love them. And immediately, people got up. They got up and stood in line to give up their seats for these soldiers. And the soldiers stood humbly against the wall with their heads down, looking at their boots because they felt a little embarrassed about that. But I want to ask you, what changed these grumpy, tired travelers into generous givers? Here's what it was. It was one thing. They looked across that room and saw the face of a man who laid his life down for others and said, I would give up a seat for that man. When you look at Jesus Christ on a cross and what he gave up for us, and when he invites you and me to partner with him to spread his love to the world, to help people like Kanani who are dealing with all this baggage from their past and coming in the church door saying, can you guys help me? When someone comes to our doors and says, is there any food for me and my family because we're struggling? When kids come in here and says, will someone here teach us about Jesus? 
We want to be that kind of church. And we, and we look at Jesus and say, if he did that for me, I'm willing to give up my seat. I'm willing to give up my Starbucks. I'm willing to give up um, my extra um, house. I'm willing to give up that car payment. I'm giving, willing to give up that bonus. Whatever it is that we're giving up, it becomes easier when we look in the face of the one who gave up everything for us.